If you would, take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to Romans 12. We are continuing our series on the gifts in the body. We live in a profound age. In fact, I sometimes wonder as Christians across America if we understand our value and importance right now at this moment in history. I'm often bothered because many people have forsaken the truth. They either don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, or they think that the Bible is only the Word of God on Sunday. Some of us hold to the red letters more than the black letters. And that's literary racism, I'll go ahead and tell you that. So don't do that. Only Delano thinks that's funny, imagine that. <laughs> Not a big deal. But we find it a desperate time. Not for us. So we don't need to act like that. For the world, yes. If all I had to live for was as many things as I could accumulate before I die and had no hope after that, that's not a very hopeful existence. But if you're in a situation where you recognize that you're on the Greyhound bus passing through this world right now, and if you stop off at a few places, so be it. But this isn't your destination. You got a lot more to live for. And thankfully, the Bible has given us the preview to all of that. So how could you and I best use our time now as we await the time to come? The answer is found in spiritual gifts. If you are a believer in Christ, you are automatically part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. He is the head. We are his body. I'm not worried about whether you're a pinky finger, pinky toe, or an elbow. It doesn't matter to me. I just know that we're all interconnected within the body. Every part of the body matters. Everyone is significant. And when he died and rose again, and was triumphant over every enemy. It says that he chose to distribute gifts throughout the church. And every single believer in Christ has these gifts. In chapter 12, verse 6, we see, Since we have gifts that differ. Notice Paul doesn't say, well, only the smart ones have gifts. Nope, us dumbins have them too. All right? Everybody has gifts. Since we have gifts that differ, according to the grace given to us, that's the reason why they differ, is they differ because God wants them to differ. He says here, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. Our first category, prophecy or speaking, is supposed to be in a, according to proportion of our faith. And if service, second category, is to be in proportion to our serving. He who teaches, under the speaking category and his teaching, he who exhorts, under the speaking or prophecy category, in his exhortation. Last week we saw he who gives with liberality, with no strings attached. That's in the service category. And today we're looking at he who leads with diligence. Now, if you have this paper, we've been showing you this up on the screen where we've got it numbered. What we've done is up here on our spiritual gifts paper, and we started in before we were dealing specifically with the spiritual gifts. 
We passed all of these out. If you need one, they're back there by Dave. Dave, raise your hand. There he is right there. You go back, yeah, he'll help you with one. Look at that servant attitude. I bet he falls in the serving category. What you think? Good stuff. Well, we labeled these A through L. And the reason is, is as we're going through each one, I'm asking you to put them in. Now, so that I understand that we're collectively together on this, what has been B so far? Anybody remember? Exhortation, C, teaching, G, that's an easy one. Giving, G for giving, right? So here's what we're going to find today. When you deal with J and K, okay, when you deal with J and K, I actually found a flaw in this test. So as I was going through studying, I found that administration and ruling are actually one and the same gift. And so when we go back through at the end of all this and we redo these again, we give out the statements again, you'll have new answer sheets again, all that kind of thing. We can go through and once we're more educated on these gifts, we can more thoroughly discern where we're at. This will be corrected. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to take J and K and bracket them together as the gift of leading. L-E-A-D-I-N-G, leading. Now I'm going to show you why that is in just a minute. Let's define our terms. We've kind of got a process that we've been going through in this. We talk about the gift of leading. If you've got a new King James or something like that, it's going to say ruling. It'll be the same thing, but leading. Spiritual gift of leading. Got it, Dave? There we go. Proistemai, I guess. I don't know. Pastor Steve, you can correct me if you want. Go for it. First definition is the, to exercise a position of leadership, to rule, or to direct something, or to be at the head of a situation. Kind of the go-to person who is going to be overseeing a lot of it. But also, this is, this is just as much a valid definition, and we're going to see this towards the end. To have an interest in, or to show concern for, or to care for, or to give aid to somebody. Notice it's not just a you do what I tell you kind of thing. So often if we have the gift of ruling, that's how we like to be. Anybody ever heard of world changers before? It's a Southern Baptist thing. World changers? Okay. As I used to be a youth pastor, man, I was awesome. Came into a program with 35 kids. In two years, I was down to four. It was great. Those kids loved it. Anyway. We decided we were going to do a service project for missions. We did world changers. We went down to Chattanooga in the middle of the summer. Lord Jesus, it was hot. You don't even know. And so they had people divided up. This person's going to be an encourager. This person's the planner. This person kind of does this, and they're going to oversee these things. A team with people that you didn't come with, that you were going to work with, all these other believers, to get these common projects done. And, man, we worked on this lady's house who anytime that she got something nice that got around the neighborhood, and so these 20-year-old thugs would just kick in her door, come in and take her stuff and leave. It was a horrible situation, horrible situation. And so we were working together, and, and I got, and I don't know why because this isn't my gift, I got to be the encourager for the week. I'm like, yeah, good job. That looks good. The picture's kind of crooked, but your effort was there. That's great. Anyway, I'm doing that job, and, and so I'm going through and. We're putting in ceiling tiles and things like that, and I'm actually learning a lot of stuff about what to do with all this. It's really great I'm participating. We go back, and we're kind of debriefing, and I'm talking. I'm with the encourager group, and we're kind of talking. 
And I found out that there's this one guy in another group that's the encourager. And all he does is walk around and just tell people that they're doing a good job. He doesn't help. You need water? He's not helping anybody with water or anything. He's just going around going, good job. That's awesome. Wow. That's it. And I wanted to extend to him the right hand of fellowship. And I thought, this is insane. I wanted to minister to him physically, right? (laughs) How is it encouraging by you just speaking into somebody's life and saying, way to go. If Jesus never died on the cross, but if you lived a good life, a, a faithful life as a believer, and he said, well done, good and faithful servant, you think it would mean as much coming from someone who didn't give their life? Probably not. So the gift of leading here is not just do what I say when I say it, no questions asked. That's never what it is. It is a coming alongside, and because the second definition can use this word to be translated as actually showing concern or even helping out and giving aid to somebody, it's the idea of a hands-on, service-oriented, leading mindset that desires to be in the mix of it, caring for people along the way. Crow stated it this way, the ability to govern others without lording leadership over them. It's never do what I say. It's let's get together and do. That's the idea. How about the next one? Uh, Let's do this. I'm going to ask you to put your finger here, or if you've got a, a piece of paper or something, because I just want to show you something really quick. Turn over to 1 Corinthians, next book, chapter 12. And I'm excited about getting to 12, 13, and 14. We've got a lot to talk about there, but I'm not looking to rush this so that we can understand it. Let me go ahead and tell you my grand plan as you turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I've already got, Maxine, where are you at? There she is. I've already got Maxine on board. Why? Because she has the gift of administration. And she is a very detail-oriented, organized person. Um, and I need two other people. One that has the ability to, to have a speaking gift, to teach. And somebody else that's able to come alongside and help educate. I need a three-person panel that will work together because my goal is to find out what everybody's spiritual gift is in the church and get everybody actively plugged in and serving in a ministry so that everybody can be using their spiritual gifts. Let me go ahead and say this. No church does this. Any church I've ever visited, the fact that the Holy Spirit has given everybody spiritual gifts is never a priority on there. Or it's so left field, you don't stay at that church long. I want to do it right. And I think we have the opportunity to live in a very different way, in a very pleasing way to the Lord by implementing these things. Let me show you 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 28 real quick because this is interesting. It shows a hierarchy of gifts in the church. And God has appointed in the church first apostles. Now remember that. Word-centered ministries. Does everybody remember when we looked at those offices? They've passed off the scene because they've served their purpose. Second, prophets. They passed off the scene because they've served their purpose. Third, who? Teachers, why? Because we still need to be administering the word of God. Everything that we do comes out of a right knowledge of God, all of it. So it all springs out of that. Notice, then miracles, we'll talk about that later. Then gifts of healings, we'll talk about that later. Helps, we'll talk about that one later. Everybody see this word administration? This is what's called a hapax legomena in the Greek, okay? And here's what that means. I know, it's a $10 word. Here's what it means. It means that this is the only time this word ever occurs in the New Testament. So it's really, one thing, it's like, oh, well, I don't have that much to study in order to figure out this word. 
Another thing is, is I don't have anything else to relate it to in order to try to nail this down. So we have to figure out this word administrations, what it means. Notice that, go back to the definition if you wouldn't mind up there, second panel of it, Dave. Indicates a variety of such, indicates a variety of such leading positions in the ecclesial, ecclesial, ecclesial body of Christ. <laughs> this is the only occurrence of the word in the New Testament. I found this out about it as well. Those who handle the affairs of the church. The interesting thing about whenever you're looking at Greek grammarians and things that deal with that is they don't just look in Bible usage. They want to ask the question, in the first century when this was written, how did everybody else use the word? If we only use the word cool within the body of Christ, you might want to check outside to see how everybody else is using that word as well. You put those two together and you figure out what was the cultural lingo going on in the day. They speak weird to us because it was the first century over in the Middle East. But for them, everybody spoke that way. Everybody was speaking common Greek. This word actually means to pilot a ship. It actually means the guy that gets behind the wheel and he's steering it wherever he wants to go. Okay? Since this is the only mention here, since it falls into the hierarchy of responsibilities that goes on, we've got to do something with this word. But here's one thing that I know. If it's a leading position, and that's the way that it was used at that time, and that's what we have to go off of from it, it seems to me in the hierarchy of, of gifts that have prominence in the church, don't you think in administration, somebody who's going to be at the helm of things, that, that pretty much matters, yes, in church, to direct affairs? Okay, four of us, that's great. Okay, that's a great point I just made. Everybody turn back. Can we go to the next slide, Dave? Something you see about this. This is a guy named Linsky, and he is, a, he is a Greek grammarian. He says, the one with the gift of administration is a helmsman who steers a vessel, and thus this gift consists in managing and directing others, whether officially as presbyters, pastors, or bishops, or in unofficial ways. Some men and some women of the church, including even young people, have this gift to a marked degree and profit the church not a little, that means a whole bunch, by rightly putting it to use. In other words, it doesn't just have to be regulated to a pastor or an elder or something like that. If you're someone who scored high in this gift and you've noticed that you have kind of this take charge or people are coming to you and looking to you in order to help lead that charge, I'm going to place you where you need to be within the body to lead what needs to be happening in those situations. Now, all of you should in your handouts have a little white piece of paper. Everybody see that? And pull that out real quick and take a look at it. We could go ahead and go to that slide, Dave, next one. The spiritual gift of leading. It's also known as administration. It is the God-given executive ability to lead people with care while collecting data, setting policy, and developing plans which will guide a course of action with skill and wisdom. Maxine, does that describe you? Okay. I mean, if I'm wrong, tell me. But you, sco you scored high in this. Okay. Let's go to the next part. What are the qualities that make up a person like this? What does this tell us about Maxine? Right? Assumes responsibility and stays on course until the work is accomplished. Is that you? You a doer? You're a doer and you're a getter-dunner, right? There you go. Guides the efforts of the team on a project, develops, follows, and or creates efficient plans. 
confronts people enthusiastically with the able to confer, negotiate, and supervise in delegating responsibilities. Good organizational skills, getting a high level of efficiency out of people and resources. Remains calm in spite of obstacles, finding creative new approaches when needed, and expresses opinions freely. Now, John, is Maxine opinionated? A tad, a tad. That's a man who just saved his bacon while telling the truth. That's good. As someone who can lead the charge, someone who sees what pieces need to be in order, someone who can direct other people who have gifts in in particular places where they need to be to most effectively exercise those gifts. They're plugging everybody in and saying, here's the direction that we're going. Now, I'll go ahead and say this. I don't have this gift. I have discernment from the Lord, not the gift of discernment. I understand and be sensitive to where he's leading me, and I can communicate that to you. But my gifts are preaching and teaching. They are not ruling. However, I will tell you, we've got some elders, I'm sure, that have the gifts of ruling, of leading, of administration, to move things forward and to do so rightly. And it's important for us to be able to listen to the wisdom of what they are seeing because when they're operating their spiritual gift, it's not just them speaking, hopefully, for the purpose of ego. It's the sake of, here's where the Holy Spirit wants us to go. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Here's how the Holy Spirit is providing. And we need to operate everybody in these places to see it move forward. Anybody want to guess what elder has that gift? That's correct, Jeremy. Exactly. He's not here today. Jerry Blystone has that gift. He has the gift of leading administration. And it just pours off of him. And he just has it. And we are all better off for that knowing we have that in our church. Great. Fantastic. There are many other of you who also have this as well. And God has something for all of us to do, looking to you to help lead the helm to get us plugged in to make those things happen. Notice that it says, he who leads with what? Diligence. No, not not giving. The one who leads with what? Diligence. What does it mean to be diligent? What's it mean to be diligent? Focused. Stay on course. Stick to it. Do it with zeal. Keep at it. Don't let anybody deter you. Don't become sluggish. Or it can even have the idea of make sure that when you're doing it, your full heart is in it. You're very earnest about seeing these things happen. The spiritual gift of leading. How should we understand gift? What we can do, the only thing that we can do in Scripture is to do a word study and ask the question, where does it lead us? If you would, please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, to the right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want you to watch something that unfolds here. It's a common denominator that takes place. And this is the reason why those two gifts couldn't stay separate. There's only one occurrence of administration. But seeing where it was at and wanting to put it together, I think you'll see what we're doing. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul writes in verse 12, But we request of you, brethren, now, I always ask this question. It's just a good Bible study. Saved or unsaved? 
saved people. So we're not talking about here's what needs to happen for you to go to heaven when you die and all that stuff. He's talking to them about what it is to live life in Christ. It's a brand new life. We request of you, brethren, that you, everybody see this word, appreciate? Some of you have the word know there, K-N-O-W. Anybody got that word? No? That you know them? Okay. It's a Greek word, oida. And what oida means is it can mean to know something or to have knowledge of something. It can also mean the idea of recognizing somebody or paying special attention to in a situation. Every time I come up to preach, I have to oida Jay because I'm not for sure what's going to happen, okay? I've got to recognize and pay special attention to him, that idea. So that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and, everybody see this, have charge over. Everybody see that? Have charge over. Same Greek word. Same Greek word as leading in Romans 12, 8. Who have charge over you in the Lord. Notice, diligently labor among you that you respect, acknowledge, appreciate them. Notice they are to be at work, not to tell you to get to work. They are coming alongside. It's in the serving category. Notice also that it's supposed to be in the Lord. And notice, and give you instruction. Now, how do you know if somebody is exercising the gift of leading in a fleshly way or a spiritual way? Well, in a spiritual way, you see that they're actually coming alongside you, spending the time to help you get on the same page and trying to paint a, a pretty clear picture of where this particular ministry situation is going. Actually, person's just bossy. Let's just be honest. Bossy, bossy, bossy. That's where you have to guard against that. And how does that work in tandem with other gifts? The person who's giving is being very calculated about how they give and they're serving in that way. The person with leading might come along and be a little bit more forceful in directing maybe where you should be giving or maybe the particular things that need giving that aren't receiving the giving that they need. Again, we could all have liabilities as we work with one another. That's just how sin happens and humility is necessary before the Lord. But each one is to be a benefit and a mutual encouragement to one another. Hopefully that'll pan out for you later. Verse 13. And that you esteem them very highly in what? Love, that's when you go get out your red pen and you draw a heart around that word, right? You esteem them highly in love. Sounds like a pretty important deal here, right? Notice that Paul is directing them. People in Thessalonica, you as believers have those among you who have the spiritual gift of leading. Pay attention. Respect that. Understand that they are getting their instructions by walking in the Spirit. In doing so, treat them well. Not only that, respect them in love. Esteem them very highly in love. Why? Because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So notice here, to have charge over somebody is the same idea. Now let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 2. An overseer then, this is where we get the word also, of the idea of a, a episcopos, a bishop. We usually call them elders. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, 
able to teach, notice not necessarily having the spiritual gift of teaching, they are to have the ability to be able to teach others. It says here, verse 3, not addicted to wine or pugnacious. That word means, that's a $5 word for violent. They're not to be violent people. But gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Here it is. He must be one who, what's the word? Manages. Exact same word for leading. Exact same word for rule over you or, or have charge over you. Be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. And he repeats this again. But if a man does not know how to manage, same word, his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Does everybody see the parallels between managing the household and taking care of the body of Christ? Does everybody see that? Okay, so notice it's not just this sterile, do what I say attitude. There's a lot of heart that falls into this. Over to verse 12. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good what? There it is again, the exact same word. Good managers of their children and their own households. Now, here's a question. To say that every elder is to have the spiritual gift of leading. It doesn't say that. Some will, yes. Some won't. I'm an elder in this church, but I have the spiritual gifts of preaching and teaching. I don't have this gift. There are others who do have that gift. Why is that important? Because there's got to be variety in the body of Christ so that we all work in harmony with one another. If it's all lopsided, it's a bad day. It's a real bad day. And it will all go downhill quickly. So notice that this word is used here as the idea of what is it to discipline, lead, rear, manage children? That is a reflection of what it looks like to bring loving care into the body of Christ so that people can be led in a good direction. How about this one? Go over to chapter 5. Timothy 5. Notice that all of these are occurring in are occurring in what's called the pastoral epistles of what it is to rule. Look at verse 17. The elders who what? Rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now that's very interesting. Notice it's talking about how they're conducting the affairs of leadership within the church, but it also doesn't necessarily say that they're going to have the spiritual gift, and there are some who deal with preaching and teaching. Those are spiritual gifts that are put forward in the midst of it. So what am I saying? I'm saying that it can be spread out in this situation, and the word can either be used either specifically to speak of the gift or generically to speak of the whole design of what it is to be leading or administering before people. Everybody with me? Okay, just want to make sure. Titus, turn over to Titus. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But when the kindness... Of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. He saved us. And I don't know about you, but I think the word love there should be capitalized. Because that is the Lord Jesus Christ. His love for mankind appeared at a point in history. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness. But according to His, what? 
How does a person come to Christ? It's got to start with the mercy of God providing salvation. It says here, by the washing of regeneration, we call that being born again, and renewing by the Holy Spirit. When you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you permanently from that moment forward. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, so that, remember, more times than not, in the New American Standard Version, when you see so that, it's giving you a reason why all of that stuff that he just told you is really important. What I've done in my text is I've taken an itty-bitty little ink pen and I've written reason above so that, okay? So that being justified by his grace, ah, trivia question, don't disappoint me. What's the word justified mean? Made right? Declared righteous before the Lord. In other words, because now you believed in Jesus and you're in him, God sees you through the Jesus-colored glasses. He no longer sees Jeremy, praise the Lord. He no longer sees me in all my sin and, and worthlessness. He now sees me through his perfect son. That's grace. So notice, having been justified by his grace, his undeserved favor, we be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In other words, in the future, he's going to make us heirs. And that particularly deals with the idea of what it's going to be to come in his kingdom. It's royal language. Verse 8, this is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that, here's the reason why that is, those who have believed God will be careful to, what's the word? Engage. There's your word for leading. You say, what? How in the world does that deal with leading, rule, to, to rule over, to have charge over somebody? Look at it. Careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Skip down to verse 14. Our people must also learn to, here it is again, exact same word, engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that, here's the reason, they will not be unfruitful. How do we deal with that? Dave, if we can, let's go back to our definition that we dealt with. And let's look at it again. Everybody remember I told you definition number two was important because it had the heart behind it. Number two, to have an interest in, to show concern for, to care for, or to give aid. So notice it's the exact same word, but this isn't necessarily about the idea of a position of leadership. It's about the idea of what it looks like for the heart aspect of it to be plugged in. Everybody see that? So when we see the idea of 14, our people must also learn to engage, to give aid in good things, to show concern for, to care for, to get involved. To put your heart in the midst of it, in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, to meet those things that really matter that are befalling people, so that they will not be unfruitful. Because when you don't do that, you are unfruitful. Why does all this matter? Because there are particular individuals within Grace Bible Church and everybody of Christ, because God is that particular about it, in order to put us all together that we would zip up like a zipper with our various gifts in order to create a leading atmosphere here. What needs to happen next? Where does this ministry need to go? How is this going to pan out? What do you see for the future? Is the accumulation of data if necessary? It's the devising of a plan? It's spearheading an effort? It's calling the charge? However you want to embrace that or understand that. But it's the idea of the church is never to be a sterile 
and staying people. We're always to be moving forward. And God has put the spiritual gift of leading within the church to keep the body moving forward. I think of the same idea of what it is like in a lake. Anybody ever driven by a lake and you're like, wow, that's a lot of pond scum? Anybody? Yeah? I know it's probably not the most popular thing on your list to go out sightseeing, but still. You notice it and you're like, wow, that's gross. How'd all that get there? No movement. It's stagnant. Because there's been no exercise throughout the water, everything's become complacent. And let's be honest, gross. Even frogs are having second thoughts. Now think of the church. When the church is complacent, when the church is stagnant, let's just be honest, guys, the church gets gross. It's not appealing to the Lord. It's not appealing to anybody else. I can't believe that Jesus Christ died for sins and rose from the grave so that we could sit and do nothing. That's not what he called us to. In fact, in both of these instances, verse 8 and verse 14, the emphasis is on good deeds. Our good deeds don't prove our salvation. They don't validate our salvation. They're not necessary to complete our salvation. But here's one thing. When you believe in Christ and you now have eternal life, you were saved for the purpose of now doing God things. The gift of leadership is here to spearhead that forward, is to get it going. It is the oil in the wheels that needs to get it all spinning. If you have the spiritual gift of leading, that's your call. That's your charge from the Word of God, is to be spearheading the body of Christ so that it doesn't become complacent, and it doesn't become inactive, and it doesn't become broken down because of neglect. Instead, it needs to be charging forward. Let's finish with a quote. John Walvoord's book on the Holy Spirit has been really helpful in looking through these things. Necessary to the work of the church is the leadership given to it by God. In keeping with this need, the gift of administration and ruling, notice that he sees them both together, is sovereignly bestowed upon a few. It is clear that all Christians are on the same level of privilege in spiritual things. Everybody has a spiritual gift. But in the providence of God, some are given places of great authority. To those possessing the gifts of administration and ruling, all Christians should give proper heed, being exhorted to observe such gifts and honor them by obedience. Well, who in the world is that person to be over me and to tell me that this is the way this ministry needs to be handled or to move forward? I'm just going to do as I'm led by the Spirit. I would tell you that if that person's walking with the Spirit and they are leading you in a certain direction, you are not walking in the Spirit when you deny their gift of leadership. Because God's the one who gave it to them. Christ died to secure it for them. The Holy Spirit has sovereignly bestowed it on them. So there's a lot of humility that comes upon, not just the one who has the gift of leading, but those in the body of Christ who need to voluntarily come under that leadership and move forward in what God wants. It's all about that. It's not about what I want and accomplishing my agenda. It's about, God, what do you want? We all have to be on the same page with that. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving to us the gift of leadership. The body needs leadership. Those that are willing to take charge and move forward, who are sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, who are knowledgeable of the Word of God, who desire to fellowship often, with Christ so that their leading will be spiritual 
and not carnal. We thank you, Jesus, for dying to make something like that possible. We are not to be a people who sit still. We are not to be a people who are simply served. But we are to fall under the leadership that you've provided so that we can serve others. Father, if we have obstinance in our hearts about this, I pray that you would encourage us in humility. I pray, God, that you would help us to see that what you're doing is such a grand design, is such a greater nature that what any one person could come to the table and devise on their own because it's spirit-led, it's spirit-wrought. It's unfolded by the Word of God. How important it is that we are in tune with where you desire to lead us to go. Father, thank you for that gift in the body of Christ. We can work together to glorify you more because it's all about the fame of your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.